With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to Open Floor. Today we actually have a special Open Floor crossover megapod for you guys. I'm joined by not one, not two, but three Sports Illustrated senior writers, starting with, he's the former editor-in-chief of the California Aggie, Howard Beck. We got the 2012 Boxing Writing Association's Best Feature Award winner, Chris Mannix. And last but certainly not least, New York Times bestselling author of the book, Blood in the Garden, Spike Lee's close personal friend, Chris Herring. Guys, how are you doing? Herring's intro was sounded great way until- better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, was, I was great until like Herring's resume just destroyed the rest of us. But, you know. That's fine. I handed I handed Rohan a ten dollar yeah. bill before this yeah, podcast started. <laughs> Ro- and on top of it all, Rohan's really cheap and easy to buy off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All all true things. Uh, just to give our listeners the lay of the land here, we're doing a special two part episode uh, going over our favorite storylines in the West and East. Uh, if you guys like howard and chris's odd couple vibe please be sure to subscribe to the crossover podcast uh i certainly get a kick out of listening to it guys uh let's just jump right into it because we have a ton we want to get to today um let's start with some western conference storylines obviously a lot going on but uh this team's kicking off the season i'm going to be at the chase center for this game the golden state warriors are playing the los angeles lakers tuesday night to get the season started um, obviously a pretty crazy offseason for the Warriors. They lose some key members of the title team, uh, namely Otto Porter, Gary Payton II. Um, it's going to be a big season for the young guys. And then we have this Draymond Green, Jordan Poole incident. Um, let's just get into, I think, the big question on everyone's minds headed into this season for the Warriors. I think they're right up there in terms of being title favorites. They're going to be a championship contender. But is this the last season we see Steph, Clay, and Draymond as a trio? Uh, Howard, I know you've spent some time in the Bay this offseason. I'm going to start with you. What do you think the chances are this is the last ride for that trio? Just got back from the Bay Area, and look, there's a natural curiosity here. If if even if Draymond had never punched Jordan Poole and then had the video leak and everything else that's happened in the last 10 days— We'd still be talking about the fact that Draymond's 33 in March and could be a free agent next summer, and Clay is 33 in February, and Steph is 35 
in March. Like these things are happening regardless of any other controversy, regardless of chemistry, regardless of whatever. So even with good luck and health and everything else, maybe we're looking at a two to three year window anyway. Um, I do think so the, the elephant in the room is is the Draymond thing. I'm very, very curious to see how this unfolds. I wrote this the other day. I know Mannix disagrees because we already argued about it on the last crossover podcast where I tried to tell you, Chris, I won't be surprised if they don't suspend him at all. They didn't suspend him. And that could go either way. That might be a brilliant stroke of restraint in which Draymond still feels very much part of the group and they welcome him back and sure it'll be awkward and they all have to rebuild trust and bonds and all that stuff. But maybe it works. Whereas suspending him for eight or 10 games might have broken things forever. Maybe he never does feel like part of them again. I don't know. No one knows. They don't know. But they do know their situation and their locker room, and they know Draymond better than any of us. All of which is to say, I won't be surprised if this is not the last run. And look, he can be a free agent next summer, Draymond, but it's a $27.6 million option. And if he opts out, no one's paying him that in the open market. Of all due respect to Draymond, who's still a very impactful player when he's on, but no one's giving him that in year one of a new deal. Doesn't mean he couldn't leave for a pay cut, but um, I'm going to say, and, and I could be dramatically wrong, I do not think this season is the last we'll see of the Steph, Clay, Draymond core. Yeah, I think it's it's too early to say if this is the end, because I think Draymond's future will be determined by the outcome of the season. If he plays at an all-NBA first-team defense level, if his three-point shooting ticks up you know, into the low 30s, he's been below 30% for the last four years, if, if he proves himself to be, to continue to be, a invaluable contributor to a championship team, I think all that's happened over the last few weeks can be forgiven and the Warriors can uh, can and would give him a new contract. Howard, you mentioned the player option for Draymond. Like if you're Golden State, wouldn't you love it if he opted into his contract? Because you get Draymond for one more year at a big number, but not a long-term number. And it's another year that helps you bridge the gap between Draymond Green and Whoever emerges from the James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody group, you know, you give them one more year to develop before they can ascend to that position. I mean, even before all this happened with Draymond, I I viewed it as a pretty big risk to pay him $30, $35 million per year over four or five years or whatever it was that he was looking for. He's never been a true numbers guy, but... His numbers aren't very good <laughs> the last four years. Like, he's in single-digit scoring. I mentioned the three-point shooting. Um, shot above 50% from the floor last year, which was an improvement over the year prior. But you can see the signs of regression in Draymond Green. And the last thing you want to do if you're an NBA team, especially one that's going to be paying some big salaries over the next four or five years, the last thing you want to do is to pay a guy for past performance. So... I guess that's a long way of saying that, in my mind, in order for Draymond Green to get that contract extension he craves, he's going to have to play at the highest of levels. He is going to have to prove that, or at least make it compelling, the case that this team can't win without him. Because if if that doesn't happen, I can see the Warriors saying to him, look, you want to opt in? Great. We'll welcome you back with open arms. But a contract extension, at least not the one the kind of one you're looking for is just not coming. Yeah, just to give a little bit more context here, uh, to give people an idea, you guys mentioned next season, Traymond Green has a player option for about $27.5 million. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are combined to make, I believe, $95 million next season. That doesn't factor in. Jordan Poole is going to get a contract probably starting around $30 million a year. Andrew Wiggins' contract is also up. He's making $33 million this year. It's hard to see him taking a pay cut after how integral he was 
to the title run. I mean, just doing some back of the napkin math. I mean, they're looking at nearly 160 million dollars in salaries. And then Wiggins Rohan, pool. you're you're inching yeah. you're inching towards James Wiseman territory too. Like he's not there yet, but he's a couple of, of years away. And like Absolutely. if Wiseman, I mean, if he look, he looked really good during stretches in preseason. Yeah. If he continues I, to take this game to that level, he's going to be a guy commanding a big salary too. Absolutely, yeah. No, Wiseman's deal is up next year. Uh, they're they're going to have one of the most expensive rosters, and I think to their ownership's credit, they've been willing to spend. But you have to wonder how much the appetite is for them to continue to go into luxury acts when, and we haven't even talked about Clay. If, if he's not Clay, he's going into next year. His is his last year. They have a pseudo replacement waiting in the wings um, in Jordan Poole. Herring, let me go to you. How valuable is the the version of Draymond we saw in the playoffs? And you had some great moments in the finals, some low moments. Is that something they could get from a Kaminga? Is that something they could get from a Wiseman? How valuable do you think the current version of Draymond still is to the Warriors? It it's like a a light that flickers a little bit um, in the sense that it, it's not always going to work. But you might really like the design of the light. But the thought is that you could always go get another bulb. Maybe you can't find an exact one, but you can... I don't know. This analogy might not be as good as what (laughs) I thought. But my point is that Draymond... I I think Chris's point from a moment ago is really smart. That if you get another year with him because he opts in, it buys you a little bit more time to try to find a replacement. Whether that's internally, whether it's kind of by committee. If it's because you can find somebody in the draft... Uh, which, granted, they might not be producing at, at Draymond's level defensively right away, but you could probably find a lot of people that could give you what Draymond does offensively. Uh, he's essentially a really, really great uh, person to take advantage of four-on-threes, as we've seen, uh, because of all the attention that Steph draws. So I think it's just the combination of what Draymond does, but also, man, he's been really costly to some extent, too. I mean... It seems a little bit unfair, but not completely to say that he cost them a championship in 2016. Yes, he did. I, right. I mean, like, you can you can, you can can at least argue that, and I don't think anybody would, would shout you down. Um, and, you know, they he obviously was kind of hit or miss in the, in the finals uh, against a team that was extremely athletic. They did crack the code to the Celtics. Uh, but I think that in some ways that kind of showed you where Draymond might fall short when that time comes is that he's never been really, really athletic compared to everybody else. So it's kind of him beating people with his brains and the built-in advantages that he has from playing with Steph. If and when you start to break some of those things down and, oh, by the way, he's a problem because he's punching people in practice, um, we've always known that his temper and, and kind of the way that he's just wired is a lot different from other people he did the Warriors a favor from the standpoint of giving more validity to the idea of not giving him a max deal. Uh, And if it does buy them more time to kind of keep him on an opt-in, it it could be good for them. And if he plays better than we're expecting for the next couple of years, then that's a good problem to have too, because it probably means that they've got a better chance to repeat. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing for the Warriors at all. I think Mm -hmm. it's probably frustrating if you're Draymond, but you already probably weren't getting a max, you know, extension. We knew that. But now it's kind of like, you know, I don't think anyone's going to argue with the Warriors for not doing that. What I think you- it's fascinating, by the way, just to jump in real quick. I think it's fascinating that the majority of our conversation is now is about contract, payroll, luxury mm-hmm. tax, age, and not about the punch. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, not about the punch. I, I'm not saying that everybody's um, just assuming that they're going to be fine, but I think it's fascinating that, you know, the backdrop to this even before the punch, was already one where eh, things are getting a little unwieldy. How much longer can they do this? So just to bring it back to that for a second, if, in fact, things go best-case scenario, Jordan Poole welcomes him back with open arms. And by the way, it seems that that's, if not literally the case, at least figuratively the case, or, or Draymond would not be back so quickly. And if everything goes fine, and they have another great season, but Draymond continues to show these signs of erosion, He's still more valuable at this, especially more valuable at this stage to the Warriors than he would be anywhere else. He's not getting a max deal. I don't know what his value would be on the open market, whether it's next summer or the summer after, but Draymond is so freaking unique. We talk about the, the Warriors having this, this next crop that's coming up, Moody and Kuminga and Weissman and, and, of course, Jordan Poole, who's you know kind of almost already there. Um, yeah, they got to pay them all, but none of them can do what Draymond does. 
and I don't think anybody's expecting, you know, even though Kuminga's got the body type, that he's not going to be what Draymond is to them. Nobody probably will be, and they'll have to find a different way to win. But if they can still win with a Draymond at an older age in a in a smaller role in shorter bursts, but still doing Draymond things while the young guys start to soak up more minutes, and he agrees to a shorter or excuse me a, a lesser contract, because out of assuming everybody's goodwill that rebuilds at the end of this, I could see that. I, like Draymond would should want to and probably does want to retire a Warrior, and I'm sure Stephen Clay given a choice, would rather have him around. So, yeah, eventually it's going to come to the payroll issues more so than anything else, most likely. But, you know, I, I could see them finding a way to kind of, you know, ease, ease him toward the the horizon as opposed to just saying, you know what, it's been fun, kick him to the curb and see if he can fashion some of the same success with, you know, I don't know, the heat or something. Yeah, I'll just say I, I hope they keep him together. Uh Bringing it, you mentioned it, Howard, going back to the punch, the kind of, you know, inciting incident really to this conversation. I did find it interesting and somewhat notable when asked about his relationship with Jordan Poole. Draymond said, frankly, I'm not sure that's relevant. We are uh, professionals and, and we'll make it work. I, that wasn't the most reassuring quote I've ever heard. For what it's worth, I think it's possible Draymond, if he opts out, could he get a three-year, $60 million contract from someone, something along those lines. Um, we've seen players do something similar to that in the past where maybe they take less average annual salary, but considering his age, it, you know, every summer he waits to get that last long-term deal. I think it's going to be tricky for him to get more money. For what it's worth, Steph is signed through 2026. Maybe, he, you know, if he opted out and took a three-year deal, something like that, uh, next summer, he could align himself with Steph Curry. Clay could maybe then tack on two years, do something like that, and they can do something neat. Um, I, I'm leaning toward, I think, there's a better chance next year is the last year than this year, only because of if they could align Clay and Steph or Draymond were to opt in. I do think they have to keep an eye on the Lakers, who we'll get to Russell Westbrook later. If the Lakers don't trade Russell Westbrook, they're going to have a lot of cap salary cap space next summer. We know Draymond has a relationship with LeBron James. I think that's a team to keep an eye on. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Oh, 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Let's move on. I think we all agree that the Warriors are still going to be a really good team as long as those guys are on the floor together. I want to move on to a team that's probably the next best title favorite, at least odds-wise, in the Western Conference, if not the favorite, the Los Angeles Clippers. Guys, I moved to Los Angeles three years ago, arriving the same summer as Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Anthony Davis, so excited for the rivalry in Los Angeles, going to all the Clippers and Lakers games, having a great time. Uh, these teams have never met in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard has completed one postseason since he got to Los Angeles, and that postseason took place in an Orlando bubble. Guys, I'm going to put this out there. Uh, this is now year four of the Clippers experiment. People are looking at this roster, potentially the most loaded roster in the NBA. I mean, they have 11 or 12 guys that I think would be in any rotation across the league. If the Clippers don't make the finals this season, was the Kawhi PG experiment a dud? Can I start with this one? Please. Yep. No. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, like, on, on the surface, generally speaking, I think for most teams I would say, yeah, these are also the Clippers. <laughs> like, uh, you know, that were coming out of the Donald Sterling ashes only a few years ago that were not ever making the playoffs, you know, but before Chris Paul got there. So you would take that risk 101 times out of 100. Uh, I think any team would, if you could have orchestrated it the way they did. I still don't remember being that floored by any one set of moves um, as I was with that. Like the Heat thing happened. We had heard rumblings about LeBron and Bosh and Wade. Uh, KD going to the Warriors, we'd heard stuff about that the season before that, that, uh, that offseason hit. The idea of Kawhi going to the Clippers and getting Paul George to ask out of Oklahoma City to orchestrate that, that was like such a seismic thing. And yes, I think we all would have expected that at some point that yields something as far as titles are concerned. But uh, we also have known for a while that Kawhi has had uh, injury issues. Um, Crazy stuff happens in the NBA. The Warriors, none of us thought they were going to win the championship last year. Uh, so crazy stuff happens. I don't think it means that the risk was somehow bad or that the Clippers should somehow regret it. That wasn't exactly what you asked, but again, it's the Clippers. Like they had to be thrilled. And I think probably still should be thrilled that they have the ability to put a roster together. Like the one they did, whether they make the finals or not. In my opinion, I I think it's a two year window now for the Clippers, because that's the number of guaranteed years that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have left on their contract player options after the third year, but who knows what happens uh, there. So I give them a two year window to make the finals, to win a championship, to validate this really expensive roster being put together. But look, if you look at this Clippers roster and you watch them in preseason, you got to really look for reasons not to think they're going to win. Like I look at, at what they have and I mean, look, they're incredibly deep on the wings. George and Leonard are two of the most complete wing players in the NBA. Their backups are, or at least the guys around them, are Marcus Morris, Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, Nick Batum. Uh, Robert Covington is there. Like, they have got a lot of versatile wing players, the kind of players that most NBA teams crave nowadays. I mean, their backcourt, their point guard situation is a little questionable. Reggie Jackson, John Wall, you know, are... Will either one of those guys distinguish himself during the season? But I like Zubac in the middle. Uh, Terrence Mann is still there. Like, they've got just one of the deeper rosters in the NBA. So, look, I, I, if they flamed out in the first round, that would be a catastrophe. No question about it. But if they got beat in the conference finals this year, I would still say, all right, they've got one more year to put this together. This is the first year of this entire group being back, being healthy, being together. Um I'd give them one more season to figure it out. I want to take the macro view here um, and just say this. If the Clippers flame out in the postseason this year, this season, flame out again 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard go their separate ways, whatever, never having made a dent, never having gotten further than that conference finals run that they made um, in, uh, in 2020. Um, this is all still a rousing, spectacular, unqualified success. Wow. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why. The, yeah, count on the youngest <laughs> like dude on the call space. to say wow. Count on the youngest <laughs> dude on the call to say wow. You know why? Because up until 2019, the Clippers had never signed anybody. No one. And they signed two of the most coveted, most talented free agents in the league at the same time, or traded for one and signed the other. Do you know what the Clippers were up until that moment? Oh, they were the team that made a nice, cute run with Chris Paul, who was there not because he wanted to be there, but got traded. Blake Griffin, who got drafted. The Clippers... Even after Donald Sterling was forced out and Steve Ballmer bought them, the Clippers were still carrying decades of laughingstock, well-earned laughingstock status. No one considered them a destination. No one considered them a place that would ever figure it out. And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both wanting to be there. Two guys who had been tied repeatedly to the Lakers as guys who wanted to go back to Southern California and play for the Glamour franchise and chose together the Clippers who will now, by the way, have their own arena, something they've never, ever had in L.A., in 2024, and maybe is not possible without moves like this, where they established they are now a respectable franchise, a destination franchise. These guys could never win anything, and it happens, right? Any, any team that could have would have acquired those two in tandem. So we could say competitive failure, fine. But dud, which was what Rohan labeled it in, in the email when we were uh, exchanging all the topics. <laughs> no, not a dud, because this has forever changed the way the Clippers are viewed. And when they're in their brand spanking new glitzy arena, we will see them in a completely different light based on what they've accomplished over these last several years. They're now a destination. Guys are choosing them. They're not squandering all of the wealth of being an L.A. team anymore. Howard, okay, you are the, you're the, Howard, you're, you're the parent that loves the participation trophy aren't you like, that's that's who you are. <laughs> yeah <laughs> 29 out of 30 teams get get a participation trophy or worse so Great. listen well, well I, listen here, here's hold on hold on here's my <laughs> that is one of the most ridiculous takes i've heard in the last couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks it is the clippers were a laughing stock and these guys chose them and they all were it both did, all nba and all players a two-time finals mvp and Never all it happened. did was cost Steve Ballmer $200 million to put this team together. Great. Great. <laughs> he can afford so it, So if they don't make a finals with this group, you're still going to believe it's some form of success. That is insane. Hell yes. 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 Oh, look, Kawhi Leonard. Look, first of all, I, I don't know how much, like, I don't know what the Kawhi Paul George acquisitions did for the Clippers' cachet. They're still, like, the fourth-class class citizen in Los yeah. Angeles. The Lakers stink. And, like, they're still, by far and away, the media darlings of Los Angeles. The Clippers are a title favorite, and nobody really is paying them much attention right now. I, I just, I know what you're saying. Like, the Clippers are more respectable than they have been at any point in time in recent decades. Really, maybe in franchise history, but come on, man. Like, if they don't succeed on the floor, and success is is a finals appearance or a championship in the next two years, this will be a disaster. They will have gotten, what, four or five years out of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, paid them both like $200 million a piece and won nothing? All for what, positive PR? Are you kidding I, me? I, I don't know how I always it's end up aligning myself. It's not their fault guys got hurt. Injuries I, happen. Listen, I don't know how I always find myself aligning with Mannix on these podcasts, but I could not agree more <laughs> with Chris here. I think it would be a massive dud. These guys were putting up... That's because up you're like 12 these, years old and you no, don't no, remember when the Clippers no, were laughing stuff. These guys were putting up billboards all across the city saying earned, not given, positioning themselves against the Lakers as this model franchise that built the team the right way. The Lakers fell ass backwards into a championship, even though they have no idea how to put together a roster around LeBron James and Anthony Davis have also dealt with injury issues. Yes, it's unfortunate that Kawhi and Paul George have both missed time. Yes, that that is an important caveat. But uh, to me, if they don't make the finals this year, Chris hit the nail on the head. Look at their roster. How could they not? I, I just think that they, at some point, 
At some point, they have to win. If you put those guys together to win a championship at the very least, that's the standard we've held all these super teams to, whether it was LeBron's Heat, Durant's Warriors, etc. Uh, the net, I mean, the, the Nets are like kind of like their saving grace right now are probably the reason we're not bagging on the Clippers even more. But I just think it's – I think the pressure's on this year, frankly. Uh, you know, is could there be – a coaching change. I don't know what it could be. I mean, they're already on their second coach. Uh, I think the pressure's on this year because of the roster, because of the nature of the league. There's no runaway favorite. I, I hear you, Howard. They, they've done things for the Clippers franchise that are that are important. But at the end of the day, they got to win. I, I mean, Kawhi's won everywhere he's been except Los Angeles. Yeah, and if they lose because Kawhi got hurt again or Paul George got hurt again or something else just bizarre happens or whatever – there will be a context. There's always a context. So just a blanket statement that not making the finals or not winning a championship is somehow a, a catastrophe. The fact is, everybody who could would have signed those two. Getting a string of 50-plus win seasons, and, and by the way, I know it's skewed because we're looking at a couple of truncated seasons, but their first year it would have been like the 56-win equivalent. The second year it would have been 53 and a half or so. Like they've, And last year, obviously, 42 and 40. That was the first full season <laughs> they've had. Um, but no Kawhi all year. They, they have been a highly competitive team. And when you get high-level talent in this league, the best you can hope for or the best you can expect is to be in the mix. Everybody understands when you get you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together for multiple years, the best you can do, the best you can hope for is that we're in the mix. And then when that doesn't work and then you flip Simmons for James Harden, you're, you're just trying to give yourself a high-percentage chance. No one goes in expecting, like, automatically there's a title or multiple in your future. You're just trying to get the talent that gets you there, that gives you a chance, that makes you one of those three, four, or five teams that have a shot. Clippers have a shot. And when they haven't had a shot the last couple of years, it's been mostly misfortune. And again, whenever this Paul George Kawhi Leonard thing ends, we're not going to see them the same way as we did prior to 2019 when they had absolutely never in their history signed anybody even remotely as good as either of them, much less two. Hold on. One other thing you are not mentioning here is that <laughs> whenever the Paul George Kawhi Leonard Clippers team ends Clippers are in in trouble like they traded away all their draft picks to get these guys so like any rebuilding effort the Clippers may have to go in on which could start as early as what the 2024 2025 season they're going to be mediocre at best at that point if they lose one of these two guys so they push their chips all the way in for these next couple of years with these guys. And if they come up short, second-round exit, conference finals exit, uh, I, I don't know how you can look at it as anything but a failure. I think it's, again, and I, I maybe this is working out well because I feel like me and Howard are more in agreement and you two are more in agreement. <laughs> I, I just think Rohan's phrasing of the question, like it's not a dud because of exactly what Howard just said. Every team would have done this, particularly a team that had never done anything. Um, that said, of course, like at some point you want to win a championship. If it happens to not work out that way, largely because of the injury history with Kawhi Leonard, then that it wouldn't be that shocking to me that that's the case. They had a year where they probably should have gotten it done and, and then lost to the Nuggets, uh, you know, in a, in a bad sort of like, quite frankly, the way it looked with that fourth quarter with the two of them looked a lot like one quarter version of uh, that Suns game last year against the Mavs uh, where it was just like, what's happening? It just kind of felt like a uh, freaky Friday sort of performance. So stuff will happen. I, the Clippers history is almost stranger to me than really the idea that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard wouldn't win a title. I think those years where they had Chris Paul and didn't make a conference finals, we ran the numbers at 538 at one point, And there was something like, running those simulations with their record and their, their point differential all those years, that there was like a 98% chance that a team with those profiles would have made at least one conference finals and probably won a championship and just managed not to do it. So I don't know. It's weird. I don't think they're cursed. But uh, I, I, I think that there is a, a, an in-between of being a dud and like accomplishing everything they want to, and it falls somewhere in yes. there. I Listen, think it was just the phrasing of the context question. is definitely important, and I'm not trying to ignore what you're saying, Herring, or what Howard is saying, and 
yes, there will be nuance when we look back at it. At the same time, this is not the Raptors taking a one-year flyer on Kawhi. I mean, this sure. is now year four of these guys together. Uh, forgive me for saying two top 15 players, one of the best players of all time in Kawhi Leonard. Forgive me for saying they should get it done, okay? Let, at some point, just get it done. I don't want to hear about the history or 538 <laughs> models or, or bad luck. and <laughs> Just get it done, okay? Just get it done. I don't want to... The Clippers are building a new arena. Guess what? I don't know which basketball fans are going to want to drive all the way out to Inglewood when they have this shared history uh, with what's now, I guess, Crypto.com Arena downtown. It's going to be weird. <laughs> we'll find out. Um, but let's move on because there's a lot more to get to. I think we talked about the two teams now, the Warriors and Clippers, who are probably in a class by themselves in the Western Conference when you think of championship pedigree, experience, and talent. Um, and then you have some real interesting teams in the next class. So, guys, I'm not saying that these teams have a great chance, but if you had to pick one, tell me which of these three teams, Herring, I'll start with you on this one, you think has the best chance to make the finals. I'll give you the teams in a little bit of context. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves, obviously a first-round exit last year. They trade for Rudy Gobert over the summer in one of the most shocking moves um, of the last few years. We have the Phoenix Suns, the number one seed last year, won 64 games, You know, clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the league in the regular season. The shocking Game 7 loss to the Mavericks, bringing back most of their rotation. And then we have the Denver Nuggets, with the defending two-time MVP, Jamal Murray coming back, adding KCP and Bruce Brown over the summer. Which of those three do you think has the best chance to make the finals? Herring, we'll start with you. Give me Denver here, uh, just because I, I feel like they addressed um, the fact that they desperately needed a little bit more wing defense. Uh, it was pretty brutal to just kind of watch everybody throw every – uh, important possession at Aaron Gordon and ask him to do that, but also to ask him to be a guy that could score behind uh, Jokic. So the fact that they went out and got a couple guys that can do that, I think Bruce Brown is going to be one of the better fits in the league just as far as playing with a guy that just thrives on back cuts and, and, and kind of getting into the, the teeth of the defense in kind of an unusual way and a, a great passer like Jokic. KCP can be really good for them, I think, and play a very similar role to what he did with the Lakers. Uh, and not to mention, obviously, Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. Just not having quite as much on Jokic's shoulders. Um, I don't think the guy will win a third straight MVP, but like the makings of them having a, a huge season are right there. Uh, so I just kind of like the, the likelihood of them getting it done a little bit more than the other teams you laid out. It, it just kind of feels like they, they, they might have had that shot before if not for those injuries. So if those guys are healthy... They seem to have a little bit more offense, defense, balance, and, and they still have Jokic, and you would hope that he's able to stay healthy as well. Yeah, Denver's got the highest ceiling uh, of that group. I think Minnesota's going to jump up in the standings because Gobert will transform that defense, but they're still a little too young at key positions, and I'm going to need to see Rudy Gobert in a finals before I can believe he can be on a team that uh, that gets there. Uh Phoenix, like, there's just a bad moon rising in Phoenix. I read the <laughs> the, the Arizona Republic did a Q&A with DeAndre Ayton. I think his quote <laughs> on talking, I guess quote on talking to Monty Williams was, yeah, we talk, man. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't exactly the most reassuring thing about the relationship between Monty and his uh, his starting center. They're all, uh, Chris Paul, uh, what is he at this stage of his career? There's just, Jay Crowder's still not there. Like, there's just a lot of weirdness going on in Phoenix right now. Denver, for all the reasons Chris laid out there, um, they have the potential to be a champion this year. I mean, if Murray gets all the way back to the player he was before the injury, if Porter Jr. can stay healthy, um, I like the addition of Bruce Brown as well, versatile, defensive-minded guy uh, in that backcourt. They, they just got a lot of pieces there. I mean, there's still questions like Jokic, you know, is he a good enough defender to be um, the focal point of a championship team? We'll, we'll see, but... Um, he's obviously great offensively, that's for sure. So I think Denver easily of that group is the team that, that has the, a championship ceiling. So if we're talking about second-tier teams here, right, if, if, if everybody agrees that the Warriors and Clippers are the first tier or the logical favorites in the West, which I think they are. And so, Rowan, you gave us the option of Nuggets, Suns, Timberwolves, 
completely disrespecting the Memphis Grizzlies and the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, you're I going just off want to note that for the okay. record. Uh, the I'm, Mavs- not, I'm not putting them in. I'm not putting them in. I'm not going to choose one. Oh, so I'm just not noting for the record that you are you are a Mavs Grizz hater. You don't like John Morant. You think Luke is a fraud. I just want to note that for the record. Um, I, I non facetiously, I I'm not convinced there's that big of a gap between the three teams we're now discussing mm. and those other two necessarily. Um, We'll see. I'm not that high on the Mavs, to be honest, but I think the Grizzlies uh, should, should have garnered a little bit more respect for what they've done or what they did last year. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be the only one who goes out on this limb, so you guys can all just like smack me around again for the next five minutes. Uh, I'm going Suns over Nuggets and Wolves in that order. Mm. They're definitely showing cracks. And, and like Maddox said, Bad Moon Rising, I don't like the vibes around the team at all, even from a distance, and I'm safely 3,000 miles away, and I don't like their vibes. There's a lot hanging over them, but um, they have the defense that the Nuggets don't have and that the Wolves have not yet shown. So show me, don't tell me with Gobert there. We'll see. The Suns of the veteran experience. They've got Chris Paul, granted another year older. They've been to the finals in recent history. They have a track record. They have the talent. They have the shooting. Um, I just think there's less volatility there. And granted, I'm pushing aside for the moment or caveating the weirdness of DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, the strangeness of having the team being sold and everything they've just gone through with Sarver, um, the Jay Crowder situation. There's some stuff, and, and I don't know how to, how to gauge that stuff or quantify it. Uh, the thing is with the other two teams. So the Nuggets, I'm not betting on them until we see Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., next to Jokic for an extended period of time. The, the pickups this summer were nice. You guys noted them all. That's great. Those mm-hmm. are fine. It made them deeper, made them better. Some nice defensive pieces, fine, whatever. They're only going as far as their big three can take them, <laughs> and those guys haven't stayed healthy. So let's see. Um, also, defense, Nuggets, defense, uh, we'll see. Timberwolves, they could leapfrog both these teams next season. But in the, in the short term, I think we all should see whether or not uh, whether the, the Carl Anthony Towns Gobert thing actually works, whether Anthony Edwards keeps taking steps forward, um, they've got a lot of veteran talent there, but they're they're maybe their best player is their youngest, and so I'm I'm gonna take a wait and see on the Wolves. Yeah, I've I'd, got by I'll the way, s- just just real quick, I've got a little anxiety on the Grizzlies. To be fair, like same, I, the, like the. The Mavericks, their questions are obvious, right? They lost Jalen Brunson. They didn't really replace him. They're counting on internal growth and internal replacements and Christian Wood to to fill in those scoring gaps. But I look at at, uh, Memphis and Jackson. I mean, uh, John Morant's great, but Jaron Jackson's out for I don't know how long with that lower leg injury. Um, They lost Kyle Anderson, which I think is a bigger Mm -hmm. loss than than a lot of people maybe are are giving credit to. Yeah, they moved yeah, to Anthony, Anthony Melton. Like, and look, they're yeah. they're in, and I said this to to somebody recently. Like, they're in a a conference now, where even if they're better than some of the teams that are below them, there are fewer gimmies this year than in years past. Like, New Orleans is no longer a gimme. Portland is no longer a gimme. Like, there's there's teams underneath them that are going to be tough. Where so if if Memphis isn't healthy and playing at a high level, they could lose some of these games. And that could cause them to take a bit of a dip. They're still a playoff team, obviously. But, you know, I, I don't I, – I, you know, and one of the scouts who did our magazine stuff told me this. He's like, I see them taking a little bit of a step back this year. And, and looking at their roster and kind of everything about them, I can see why the scout feels that way. Yeah, well, I'll also, just say uh, the reason – Chris kind of outlined the reasons why I left off the Grizzlies, the, the Triple J injury – I think is a big concern there. That's a heavy burden to put on Morant in the regular season, who also missed a ton of time last year. Their their year last year was also just weird how well they played without Morant during the regular season. Dallas, I find Dallas's playoff run uh, in the summer to be similar to the Atlanta Conference Finals run. I think they caught a really favorable first-round matchup against a Jazz team that was imploding. They play in kind of a crazy second-round series against a veteran team that goes seven games. Like, if they play that... Mavs Suns game 100 times. I still, I, I just believe the Suns still win 90 times. I mean, was it? There's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there now on what happened in that game. 
Um, so I'm a little bit down on the Grizzlies and Mavs. I'll, I'll throw in the Pelicans, I think, are a little bit of a sleeping giant here. I think Willie Green's a fantastic coach. Second half of the season, particularly with Ingram healthy, McCollum on the roster, they were fantastic. They get Zion back. I, I'll i say, for for my own question here, I'll, I'll put the Nuggets on there. I, you know, I mentioned this in our last episode. I think there's got to be a little bit of pressure on Jokic now to prove he can be the best player on a title team. He, he has to prove that those defensive concerns, he can overcome them in the playoffs. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's curious to me about the Timberwolves is they obviously make, you know, this big move in the summer to get Gobert. You know, forget even about what they paid, that price or whatever. Like, are, are any of you comfortable betting on the Wolves getting to the second round? Like, are you guys comfortable that they actually improve on where they finished last year? Because I think the West as a whole is a lot better now. Yeah, I am. I'm comfortable with it because mm. I think Gobert, look, you look at all the numbers, the defensive numbers. They were middle of the pack uh, in defensive efficiency, they were bottom third in uh, scoring. Like, those numbers are going to go way down. Like, Rudy is, as has often been said, a walking top 10 defense. And I watch a little bit of Anthony Edwards in the preseason. I think he's going to take a leap. Um, you know, as, as somebody said to me, D'Angelo Russell in a contract year, look out. Like, you might get the best of <laughs> D'Angelo Russell this year. So I, I think he's going to play well, and Towns is going to be Towns. Uh, the key is going to be Chris Finch and how he makes that kind of front, front court work. And is he comfortable um, sitting Rudy, you know, who's going to make like $40 million per year, you know, in the final five or six minutes of a game because your best lineup is Carl Towns at center. So I just, but that's a long way of saying, I do think they're, they're at least a second round team. And depending on the, the growth and maturity of some of their young guys, they, they could go even further. I'm not going to call them a second round team for the simple, just math, right? Um, I don't think the Warriors are falling out of the top four. I don't think the Suns are falling out of the top four. Uh, the Nuggets and Clippers, I think, both should join the top four. And so if you're fifth or lower, you're probably not a second-round team. I mean, yes, we see some five over four pseudo-upsets now and then. But if you're sixth or below, 
you're you're probably not making the second round. And I I'm I'm not convinced the Timberwolves are anything better than the sixth best team. Um, they might be. They might get to five, but then they've got to knock out whoever ended up dropping to four, which might be the Warriors, might be the Suns. Like I'm not I'm not gonna bet on them in that situation. Herring, I got a bonus question for you, not on the uh, not on the outline, putting you on the spot before we move on to the last question. Worst vibes, the Warriors or the Suns? Suns. Suns, I think. Because isn't that crazy? The Warriors, the, yeah, because Draymond knocked the crap out of Jordan yeah. Poole, and uh, it's still the Suns because mm-hmm. the Suns are also coming off like a 498-point loss in a Game 7 at home. <sighs> Uh, you know, it, which I mean, like if this were like a sitcom or I guess not sitcoms, but the shows that, you know, have a season and then they take six months off and come back again or a year two, off. Yeah. yeah. Part two. And like we left the last season with DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams not speaking and not getting an explanation on that <laughs> yeah. game seven. And they still haven't talked like, you know, or they have and they, you know, they leave it at like one word answers about whether they have or not. Um like either Chris or Howard was mentioning before about Crowder, like who are they replacing Crowder with? What do they get for him? Which I actually feel like could be something that could help them. Yeah. If he doesn't want to be there, he's frankly kind of overrated for what he is anyway. He's never really been a good three point shooter. He's a big physical three slash four. Um, so what do they get for him? So the, there are things that can maybe change some of the vibes. You know, if they start to play really well and get out to a run like last year, if we have a ding dong, the, the, the witch is dead moment with Sarver and, you know, the announcement of selling the team happens during the season. There are a lot of things that could lift them. Chris Paul could start to play like he's 34 instead of 36 uh, because, man, he was rough as soon as he had that birthday. But mm-hmm. for now, I mean, I think it's really obvious the Suns vibes are horrible, not to mention that. Not that it mattered, but they lost a game to some foreign team uh, to start the preseason. <laughs> the like, the Adelaide vibes are 36ers. Put some respect on the Adelaide 36ers. I believe Chris Rock made a joke that uh, Nevada would not commission the fight between him and Will Smith. Nevada would not commission the fight between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, but uh, they somehow still have better vibes. Stay in, lane, Stay in your lane, Rohan. Stay in your lane, Rohan, with boxing. Chris, Stay in your lane, all right? I know the listen, Nevada man. Commission. <laughs> I will tell once, you. Once, listen, once Tommy Fury's on a card, I'm going to be the, be the the a boxing expert like you could, you've never imagined. Let's move on to the last question I have here, guys. we got to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. I know people are probably a little tired of them. Are we beating a dead horse, et cetera? They still no, have. We're one of not, the greatest- by the way. We're not yeah. because web traffic suggests that we're not. They still want to hear about it. <laughs> it's true. Also, they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who, you know, we put them in our top 10 duos. We put them both in the top 20 of our top 100. As long as those two guys are playing together, this team will be relevant. Uh, we're recording this podcast on the same day, the Lakers. I love that the Lakers had to soft launch Russell Westbrook on the bench, saving yeah. it for the last preseason game, you know, giving giving their talking points to reporters. Darvin Ham's just testing to see what Russell Westbrook can do with the second unit. Everyone knows Russell Westbrook is going to be coming off the bench for the Lakers this season. Everyone knows from the moment Darvin Ham got hired, he's been hinting at minimizing his role he's on a 47 million dollar expiring contract he's the highest paid player on the team uh whoever wants to take this one first listen lebron and ad i think can still be the heart of a very very good basketball team i think it's baffling the way the lakers have constructed the roster around them including their title team which needed a hot anthony davis shooting streak uh to kind of win that championship Guys, do you think there is a trade out there involving Russell Westbrook? Mannix is ready to go. That turns the Lakers into contenders. Mannix, let's hear. Can we just step back for a brief moment <laughs> and remind everyone that the Lakers won a championship in the bubble in 2020 and then proceeded to deconstruct that whole roster. Like, that's <laughs> no where all left. this... No one's left. Like... Nearly all of it, yes. That's where all this originally began. They won a championship. Now, you can say it was the bubble. You know, there are extenuating circumstances that contribute to that championship, but that was a championship team that LA's first move in that truncated offseason was to basically deconstruct it. That's number one. Um, Like most of you, I've watched all the Lakers preseason games. (laughs) 
I don't know how you can watch these games and suddenly be optimistic about their ability to win a lot of them in the regular season. Um, I'm watching the Minnesota game. They started out like one for 17 from three-point range. Like, you got Lonnie Walker pulling up from three, missing. You got Russell Westbrook pulling up from three, missing. You've got all these guys shooting threes. And you're reminded once again that this team, just like last year, does not have reliable three-point shooters. I know we've all been brainwashed in the last couple of weeks to believe that Kendrick Nunn is the greatest non-free agent signing since, I don't know who, since Kawhi coming back. Like, you know, the, the, in L.A., it's about the same thing, right? Kawhi comes back and Kendrick yeah, Nunn Kawhi, comes back. Kendrick it's Nunn. the same thing. This is kind of how it was framed, or it feels like it's being framed um, out there. Uh, he's good. I, I don't know what kind of big difference he's going to make. Right now... Like, the Lakers have operated like a team that knows they're going to move Westbrook at some point. Like, every time you hear Darvin Ham, and God love him, I think Darvin Ham is an excellent coach, the right guy for that job, but he is in an impossible situation because he's saying mm-hmm. things, and then the team is operating differently. The team's going out there and acquiring Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook's sworn enemy, who I still don't believe they're all of a sudden... You know, no way. Room, roommates on the road, so to speak. Like they're not sharing. He's his best friend on the team, Maddox. He's I don't. I can't. You're not going to convince me of that. And they go out and sign Dennis Schroeder, like another point guard, <laughs> to play for that team. So they're operating like a team that uh, knows Russell Westbrook is going to be gone. Uh, it, just recently, Anthony Davis was asked about playing five. Pivoted to the third person when he was talking about it, as <laughs> he said, you know. AD, Darvin knows AD wants to play four. Or he's got to, but if AD's yeah. got to play five, he's got to do it. It was wild. Like, I'm just watching this. And I will readily admit that, like, 99% of the time, coaches, front offices, people involved with teams know far better than I do about what works and what doesn't. But the Lakers over the last basically three years... You've seen what they've been doing. You knew it wasn't going to work, and then it didn't work. I, I feel the exact same way. This Laker team just doesn't work. Now, you asked the question, Rohan, about is there a deal? Of course there is. It's the Indiana deal. Like, it just makes way too much sense for both sides. I'm not saying that Miles Turner is some sort of savior at the five, but he is a five, he's a floor spacer, and I think he'd mm-hmm. fit in reasonably well opposite Anthony Davis and a shot blocker. Um, but he healed. Flawed, sure, but he's like a 40% three-point shooter, and I, don't, I can't name the last shooter that has not thrived playing opposite LeBron James. They just do. Shooters play really well. Kyle Korver had his career extended by like four years because of playing with LeBron. Um, that deal just makes the most sense. You've got the Lakers who, if they don't add shooting, they could get off to a really ugly start. Mm-hmm. And one that could be compounded by constant questions about how Russell Westbrook fits with this team. You got Indiana, which has no interest in winning this year. Like, desperately wants to be in the Victor Wembayama sweepstakes. And moving off Turner and Heald, and then acquiring Westbrook, probably cutting him, that puts them right in that race to the bottom as well. I don't know. I, I just... there's We talked about bad vibe in Phoenix. There's a bad vibe. Yeah. In, mm. in L.A., for sure. Not so much, like, as far as, not as far as, like, not liking each other. Like, you know, A.D. and LeBron are obviously close. I think the guys, you know, the Russ situation is unique, but I think the guys generally like playing with each other, but it, it doesn't feel like a mix that makes any sense. Herring, I got one more uh, question to put you on the spot. This is a little trivia question for you, all right? Uh, based on their shooting percentages from last season, who was the Lakers' best three-point shooter on the roster as of right now based on who shot the best from three-point uh in 2022 how did how did reeves shoot is he near the top guess it's lebron james okay <laughs> lebron james wow. shot the best of anyone on the lakers roster from three last Only season their best player i think yes i think juan toscano anderson who was not in the warriors playoff rotation on the current iteration of the Lakers, has a chance, a good chance, to be their third best player, okay? The Lonnie Walker <laughs> signing, I, I, they just have not put two-way players around LeBron and AD to such a baffling degree. And I know that for some reason, no one wants Miles Turner. I know some people are really out on him. Uh, 
You know what would make Miles Turner look good if he played next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis? I bet that would help a lot. Uh, I'm with Chris. I think they should they should run, not walk, jog towards that Pacers deal. Uh, there's an argument to be made that maybe some kind of better deal shakes free if they're if they can somehow wait until December. Teams become really desperate to tank. Teams that we didn't expect to tank become really desperate and start offloading veterans. But I just don't know that they can afford to wait that long because their three to fifteen right now is bleak. It's very bleak. It's it's bleak. And 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 you're, you know the question you asked, Ron, in, in the the uh, the topics email was you know is there a trade that could make the Lakers contenders? And the answer is of course is no. No hmm. nothing that they get for Westbrook is going to make them contenders. But it can make them better. It can make them more relevant. It could make them at least a sure uh, you know much more of a certainty to make the playoffs at least rather than be play in or not even make the play in like right now i don't know where they're falling but i have no faith in them as currently constructed and at a minimum if you do like the pacer deal as you guys have laid out in healed and turner i know there's this idea that well that takes them out of the running in free agency next summer next summer is is like completely irrelevant you are not (laughs) planning for a five-year window anymore every season that lebron plays could be the last one where he's playing at an elite level i know he's superhuman I know that you know it, it seems like his his possibilities are infinite. They're not. Don't wait. And if you get Turner and Heald now, they're going to both be on expirings for next season, which means at 18 million for one and I think 17 million for the other whatever it is, you can flip them again next summer if it doesn't work out. Those are going to be better assets to use even if they don't work out for you than the Russell Westbrook $47 million right now that's just a negative drag on you. And I get it. You have to give up two future picks. But again, it, there, there is no future. There's only now. You have LeBron James, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. You are obligated to do everything possible to not waste another season. And if a trade yeah. doesn't make them contenders, I know that was what Palenka said. Oh, we've got, a, we've got these two picks, but we're only going to do it if it makes us contenders. I'm sorry, but that's just not happening. Mm-hmm. So at, be- at, 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 at a minimum... Just make yourselves good enough to be relevant and have a chance to maybe win a playoff series or something, as opposed to watching LeBron squander another year of his career in his twilight. And I don't like what's the what's the possible logic there? Make that deal every single time. And and listen, I do think there's an argument to be made to at least wait and see which other teams are willing to just like give up assets in the next couple of months give up players because they would want to join the take-a-thon for Wembanyama. there might be a better deal out there but i'm not waiting too long because by that time the season may already be off the rails that's my thing with this team like dating back to lebron's first year there when remember they still had lonzo and they had brandon ingram and i remember being confused at that moment why aren't they trading these guys now because lebron's only got the window he has it's lebron james and obviously, the first year in which they move on from them, they win a championship. They go get Davis. And it's like, okay, so why did you waste that one year? You wanted to see what you had in those young guys. But, like, again, your elite player, maybe the best player of all time, is sitting there getting older. Uh, and my fear with them has been now for the last couple of years, and it's basically come true both times. You had uh, a playoff run in which they needed a play-in to make it to the playoffs. And then you had last year where they essentially could have, in my opinion, probably could have been in play-in position but didn't want to embarrass themselves and just kind of let go of the rope. Uh, but either way, it's bad because you're putting extra miles on these guys for a team that essentially every year, well, I would say every year, a lot of years now, has a decent enough start. Davis gets hurt. They fall behind schedule. And then they play the rest of the season trying to play catch-up in between LeBron's injuries. So the whole season you're playing at a disadvantage because you're playing with guys that even if Davis isn't old, it's almost like he is. LeBron is. And and so you're like relying on Russ? Like what's the point? I just don't understand the point of it when you could get younger, when you could get guys that actually kind of work alongside these guys. I just don't understand what the point is and why they wait. Like Howard is saying, it's like they're kicking the can down the road when LeBron is 37. How old is LeBron now? 37? Uh, about to be 38? Like, what are I, we I can't doing? count that high. <laughs> I just don't understand why. In December. I just don't understand why, like, we treat him like he's a renewable resource. Like, not we, but the Lakers. It's just very odd to me, especially 
given that uh, the last time that they said, okay, we're going to do everything we can to kind of go all in now with LeBron, it, it results in a championship. It's just very odd to me that they they are either very hit or very missed with the way they build these rosters, and I really don't understand the point of waiting here. You've already basically gone all the way in on trying to get Davis and putting him around LeBron. You might as well go all the way with it, especially given, like like was mentioned before, the guys that you would be getting from Indiana, you could then flip at some point if you needed to anyway. Uh, Howard Beck, here's one more of my famous trivia questions before we wrap up this podcast. So obviously the bubble happened, so we're cheating a little bit. I get it, blah, blah, blah. How many games have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, how many playoff games have LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined to play in Los Angeles since they teamed up in 2019? Together or these are games that the two of them have been on the court together? Correct. Not, not their totals combined. Sure. The games they've played in together in Los Angeles. Over however many seasons this has been. Since 2019. Three seasons. Uh, right. Uh, I'm going to say 22. Three. They've played three because the bubble obviously again took place in uh, Orlando. Oh, 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 oh you yeah, were, wait, in you were Los saying Angeles. in L.A.? In Los in oh, LA, in Los yeah. Angeles. I thought you meant since they were teammates. No, sneaky ass question. What kind of question? I said in Los Angeles. I said literally. I said context. The bubble happened, but yes, they've only. Played I thought three. you meant with the Lakers, not okay. in L.A. Right. Specifically. Well, I meant literally in Los Angeles. <laughs> in and guess what? Zero, zero in front of a full uh, Los Angeles crowd. Uh, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just a wild situation that the Lakers have gotten themselves in. Um, but guys, that's gonna do it for this episode again our listeners is only part one of a mega podcast uh part two we're gonna go over some eastern conference storylines uh over on the crossover feed but i think it's also gonna be on the open floor feed so don't worry you guys we have plenty more to come please check out our eastern conference storylines podcast next I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 